0: I appreciate the opportunity um, to talk to you guys and and work with your schools. Um, I, I really love the the Madison model. Um, it, it, I, I didn't grow up understanding it. Um, I'm not Adventist. I'm actually bapto Presbyterian, married an Anglican, and um, so that's that's my my personal background. But once I got involved in Laurel Brook. 11 years ago, I think it was, when the Department of Labor came after the Laurel Brook program, um, that was when I started getting into the Madison School model and really understanding what you guys are, are trying to do um, and and fell in love with all of that. I think, actually, our public schools are are in a crisis for a number of reasons, and, and one of the things that I'm passionate about thinking could help fix it would be more career, technical education, that's what they call it in the public school setting. Um, and um, the the helping kids understand how the real world works. Um, I, I have learned this in my, I spend my days as a lawyer. I play with words. I turn black into gray, and then if you look at gray long enough, it becomes white. Um, and and I have discovered that in my free time, I really enjoy, I went through a woodworking phase um, and and really enjoy doing a lot of the, the what you guys teach in career technical things. And the reason, it's a very good corrective for me, because no matter how much I talk, either the board that I cut is the right length or it isn't. And none of my lawyer skills will change the result. And that's a very good and powerful lesson for our kids to learn. And the sooner they learn it, the better. Um, uh, one of the, from the, the trial that we had with, with Laurel Brook, which, which we were successful in one. One of the stories that I remember, and I've repeated until everybody who knows me is very sick of it, but one of the alumni was talking about um, at the, the sanitarium they have there, stand, uh, standing with a group of kids around the, um, a toilet, and the teacher, um, who was a little German lady, had put a chocolate chip cookie on the seat of the, the toilet. And she said to them, if you cleaned this the way that you were supposed to clean this, you would not be afraid to eat that cookie <laughs> and, 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 and that lesson stuck with him and of course the story stuck with me <laughs> so um, there is a lot of value in in these programs so let me let me get an idea I know Wanda with Issei is working on, on curriculum Um, For this how many of you guys are in a program that already has vocational training? You may call it work training We're going to discuss the way to talk about it. Okay, so most everybody is is in one of those programs Well, if you know the old saying that to somebody who has a hammer everything looks like a nail That is the US Department of Labor they govern employer-employee relationships, so everything they look at, to them, it looks like employees, and it looks like work. And it looks like work that should be covered by the Fair Labor Standards Act. And the Fair Labor Standards Act covers, it has a lot. If people are classified as employees of your school, then they have to, you have to pay them Minimum wage, you have to pay them overtime, and more importantly, for what you guys are doing, they cannot work during school hours. So uh, that would that would completely gut your, any of your vocational programs. And there's certain activities that are restricted to 18 year olds. So when I was going through the Laurel Brook um, trial, Department of Labor kept coming in with pictures of kids using drills electric drills. And I said, well, yes, (laughs) we're teaching them how to use drills. Um, And I was able to to convince the judge that we had a vocational program that looked an awful lot like the accepted vocational program of the public school just down the road. Um, And and as I kept saying, and I'm still saying, 15, 16-year-olds who do not learn how to use a table saw grow into 18-year-olds who cut their fingers off. So, just because someone is an adult doesn't mean they miraculously learn the skills, and that's why, that's why we need to start teaching them at 15 and 16. There is an exception for non-employees, and this is where we're trying to, to fit in, is to say to the Department of Labor, these are not employees, these are students in an educational program. Now, most of the um, Uh, work in this area has been um, with interns and um, colleges. There's not a lot out there about high school educational programs because, frankly, there are very few private schools that have um, vocational programs. So most of the law and and the cases in this area have been involving, for example, RAs, resident advisors in um, colleges, or interns um, who work for free at various um, uh, private um, institutions. For a long time before January of this year, the Department of Labor... um, had a very restrictive standard. They have a, had a six-part test, and you had to meet every single one of those six parts. And, and it, was, it was extremely difficult to get through. Well, the Department of Labor kept losing in the courts. And the courts tended to go with a primary economic benefit test, which is, in other words, who's benefiting the most? Um, is it the student or the school that's benefiting from this arrangement? And the court looks at various factors. Um, so in January, just a month ago, well, in December, the Department of Labor announced that they were going to be going with a different program. I'm not sure how much of this you can see. We'll, we'll go through this in depth. But in January, they, uh, the Department of Labor announced what their standard would be. They're going, again, the primary beneficiary test, who benefits the most. And they listed in their, which you you can find this on the Department of Labor website, they've listed several different factors. No expectation of compensation. Everybody, we're gonna go through each of these in depth, but I'll just, the no expectation of compensation, training similar to an educational institution integrated into an educational program. Now, for for private um, employers, what the Department of Labor looks at is um, are these kids um, enrolled in a program where the school is looking at this and supervising and and looking at the educational value, and or are they getting credit for it, um, educational credit? the next one, a connection to an academic calendar. In other words, it, it, does it go? Does it roughly match when your academic program is in session? Um, the duration is limited to the training period. Now, sometimes you end up. Um, Laurelbrook, for example, one of the things we had to look at was once the, the, the kids there had the opportunity to get their certified nursing assistant certification. All right, then once they had their CNA, if they were still assigned to the sanitarium, it's hard to say that it's continued educational benefit for them. It starts looking more like you've got a trained CNA for the program. So that was, they had had avoided that trap, but that is just, that's a trap that's an example that you need to look at. So if if once the, the kids have gotten your seal of approval that they have learned these skills and you're still sending them back there because you need someone there then they're replacing an employee and and it causes difficulty um, the last standard is the student doesn't displace paid employees now I know, Some of you probably are set up as um, religious orders, and so you have staff members who are members of the religious order and and are not paid in the same sense as others. But it's the the same thing. Adult employees, if you're using kids because you've run short on adults, then the the program is going to, to have difficulty. So let's look at each one of these in-depth. And those of you with programs, or who are looking at starting programs, um, please feel free to raise your hand and ask me about specific things. Yes. I
1: have a question. Thanks for the last book, duration of the intensive training period, you mentioned the CNA journey. Once they complete that training, then they're differently. Is that going
0: No, it would it would be show. I'll I'll tell you where it's going to show up with most of you guys. If there's a certification that you have, and the kids get that certification, saying they have learned everything. Now, CNA is unique, and I know Laurel Brook with its sanitarium is is a bit unique. Um, But if, for example, you had certification in Microsoft computer programming, for example. Um, or anything that has an external certification, or if you say, I'll give you a, another example. If you have kids who have gone through and they have gotten credit for all two or three, whatever you offer, um, uh, courses for dietitian. Let's say that, that they have gotten credit for dietitian one, two, three, all right? But then you start sending them back to work in the kitchen because you're shorthanded in the kitchen all right they're not being tracked for any program they've already gotten all of the credits that you that the school offers for the dietitian program but you're still sending them back there okay so that's that that's the and we are going to talk about each of these individually but that That's what they're looking for. Are the kids learning something new? Are they practicing something? Is it part of a curriculum? Or have they already gotten all the credits and you're just sending them because you need an experienced person in the kitchen? Practice, yes, yes. And I tweet that it needs to be a little bit more for younger kids than it would be for adults. Right. You need to build, and we'll, again, we'll talk more about this, you need to build that into your curriculum for that period of time. The practice needs to be built into before they get credit for it. Once they have credit for it, you're going to have a hard time saying they're still learning something because your program has already said they know enough to get credit. Does that, does that make sense? It's similar to if you've got a kid enrolled in algebra. You send them home with 20 algebra problems. They, they do homework. That's how they become proficient. You don't just teach them the principles and then keep going. But when they have passed algebra and they're in geometry, you don't give them algebra problems anymore. So it needs to be the same principle in the vocational program. Are you you your making? Okay. All right, let's talk individually through these. Oh, no paid job at the end of the course. I always forget that one because that, that one is, is really the easiest to, um, you know. You, you guys may hire alumni, but you don't hire somebody Uh, You don't hire one of the students at the end once they get their dietitian or uh, uh, dietary one, two, and three training. Um, So let's look at the easiest ones, which is no expectation of a job at the end of the internship, and you understand there's no compensation, that, that you're not paying them. Now, everybody... Can, can understand that, you can put that out. One area that I've seen the schools get themselves in trouble with this is scholarships. And it's very, um, it's a very good impulse to give kids scholarships and, and use their work to help pay for the, the, their um, tuition. However, if the scholarships are pegged only to the vocational program, The Department of Labor says you're paying them for vocational work, okay? So if you have a scholarship, it needs to be based on a combined GPA of academic and vocational, all right? In order for it to be not, for the Department of Labor to not say you're paying the kids, it needs to be based and you can you you can have vocational in there you can have academic in there you can have character training in there i know some of the schools like to give a citizenship grade or a character training grade or or similar to what um used to be called a conduct grade until that hurt people's feelings so now public schools don't do it anymore um well, some of them don't, but um, any of those things that you want to roll into determining how much of a scholarship they get, you can do that as long as the vocational program is only one factor and not the only factor. Okay. Um, but otherwise, this one's you just make very clear in all of your parent pro um, information, all of your documentation about your school that, um, that, the, that there's, no, um, there's no compensation, and make sure your scholarships are keyed to the entire or, or something more than vocational. Um, okay, the next one, and that is that your curriculum needs to be similar to educational programs. Now, in order to do this, you need to look to established curriculums. And I know ESEI is putting together an established curriculum. Um, And and ESEI is an accrediting organization has some authority and and some credibility. Um, The other place to look is going to be state accreditation. Now, some of my clients have have actually gone to the state and said, "We want our vocational program certified according to state standards." That's sort of the ultimate. Depending on what state you're in, that can be very hard for a religious school to do. Um, some of the um, less tolerant states are, um, I, you know, our programs just look weird and they just don't understand them, and it's just extremely difficult, particularly if they're starting to put in all of these diversity requirements and all of these inclusion requirements and all of these. We have to accept all sorts of people who don't follow our religious beliefs. So that may not be practical, but to the extent that your program can follow the state requirements. So you can follow the education stuff and not worry about the inclusion diversity stuff. The closer you are to what your state recognizes, the the better off you're going to be. These seven standards are not, they're not absolute, it's very flexible. It's, It's going to be weighing this and weighing that. So what you need to do is get your program as much as possible without completely gutting it and, and losing the character of, of the, the Madison School. Yeah? Um, start with whatever the department is going to be. Department of Education, career, usually career and technical education is the, the division and then, um, if it's not on the web, I have found that if you call people and ask them, they are are more than happy to send you information. Um, and it, I have had clients call and ask me to get it so that they don't end up on the state's radar. So you you may want to have somebody else do it, but um, again, it just depends on your state. Um, see.
1: So just to clarify, that has, is developing a set of um, guidelines. Um, from your perspective, the legal perspective, is that defensible in a multitude of states or should we try to tailor that to the
0: state? Um, it, it is defensible, but the more that you can can look at the states and I, I would say what ESA could could best do for it is figure out what is the most, what's the highest standard among the states and see how close you can get to that, so if if Oklahoma has a higher standard for electricians than Tennessee does, try to get as close as you can to the Oklahoma standard. So, um, um, state standards. Now, again, if you don't want to go for accreditation, this is where you stay as close to the state standards as you can. Um, Professional certifications. Um, There's the ANSI, and I can't remember what it stands, the American National Standards Institute. And they um, sort of gather the standard of care and the standards for a lot of different technical organizations. Um, If if you have a computer program, Microsoft has certification. Again, you don't have to get the certification. You just want to know what the standards are. And how closely are you tracking the kids' skills and the teaching program? Okay. Um, and then local vocational programs. Find out what the folks down the road from you are doing. Um, how, how closely does, does your program match theirs? Um, one of the, the problems that... that you can run into with a residential school program is in order for the kids to practice carpentry there's not a lot of you you can't put them on a bus and take them off somewhere on a regular basis so there's a lot of we need a bridge built so let's have the carpentry class build the bridge we we need a, a a new roof put on the dining hall Let's have some of the kids working alongside the contractors to the extent that OSHA regulations allow it. Those kind of things are fine as long as again, you do you, you look at what the what the local vocational programs are doing. Now the local programs, a lot of them, for example, um, some of the, the, the schools that I've worked with in, in um, public schools that I've worked with in various locations, um, would have, for example, a greenhouse. And so the kids um, grow the plants, and then they work with their marketing and their business students to sell them, okay? Um, and it's part of a, a, an integrated curriculum between the gardening and the marketing classes. Um, that's, that's a great thing to do. It's, it's fine to sell the stuff and to make money off of it as long as it's part of a curriculum and something that the kids are learning. Um, when I was growing up, there was a, a school that did um, body repair for cars. And so anybody who got a fender bender would take their car down to the local school and sign it up. Um, for the um, repair program that the school had there. Um, you know, you got what you paid for. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. Um, there there were folks in my hometown who made a living fixing what the school had messed up. Um, but, uh, you know, but the school was a good first place to start. And so um, there, there was... The, and it, and that program actually was very good. This is the other thing that I think if, if you put it together... Um, and you learn how to to phrase it, the kids who work in your kitchen, for example, if the food is not good, adults may be nice and will eat it and be polite anyway. Their peers will not. They will hear from their friends how terrible their food was. And that's a really good lesson for 15, 16, 17-year-olds to learn. But you need to learn how to phrase that. Same way if you have a greenhouse and suddenly your your um, traffic drops off and people aren't coming to buy anymore, it's because there's something wrong with the plants or something. So, So this kind of real-world experience is extremely good for kids as long as you understand how to market it and how to explain how it's benefiting the kids and not the school. That all of this has to go back to what the kids are learning from this. Um, And and I actually have heard of, um, there, there was one local school system here in Tennessee that the state told me about that they would go out and they would buy a house or land. Um, sometimes they were rehabbing a house, sometimes they were starting from scratch, and then all the building trade students would go out and they would build a house that year and you know have, have to learn from, the, the, from starting from the plans all the way through the framing, through the plumbing, through the electricity, through um, getting it together, and then they would sell it, and the money would go back into the next year's project. So, um, you don't have to, If you look at the local vocational programs, you don't have to avoid commercial type enterprises as long as you understand how the local folks are doing it and make sure that, that you're again staying as close to them as you can. Um, with with the residential schools have a little different set of challenges, and of course Christian schools always have um, a little different um, view. Of of some of the the rules Um, the next one integrated coursework and educational credit now what this means is you need to have some classroom training because Department of Labor folks think school means classrooms Um, and actually if you look most of the local schools they they will have some level of classroom training Mostly it's safety. Most of them start out with a few days of classroom training about safety. They emphasize safety all the way along. but you know you kind of do the basics um, of this, these are our safety tests. they may do a test on it, but you don't have to have all classroom training, but you need to have it when it's appropriate, okay, um, when, when you're starting with the basics um, Next thing you have to do with these kids, you have to have a program for assessing the skills that they've learned and giving them a grade. Um, And sometimes, now I know some states will have skills checklist. Um, That's what the kids are supposed to have learned at the end of the year. It's not really a curriculum, but that's how they test it. Um, And so vocational programs will do a check off List of the skill sets. Okay, um, you just have to have some way of measuring what skills did the kids learn in this carpentry class? Um, can can they use the the table saw safely? Can they put the um, nails in correctly? You know, how, what does the birdhouse look like? Kind of thing. Um, so there there has to be and. and I realize I didn't put this down, but it, it, it's assumed. There has to be some documentation of it. <laughs> you It know, doesn't have to be a pen and paper test, but there needs to be something in the kid's file that they learned this and they got this grade. Um, then the next thing, you have to track their progress. Um, so one of the things that happens in, in smaller schools that has less manpower, and I've, I've, I've seen this, and I'll keep coming back to it because I've seen it be a problem, and that is you, you, you have kids who are, uh, let's just say you, you, you put them, they're doing dietitian one, and you put them in the, the program, um, and, and they've, they've learned it and then you put them in, in dietician two. Well, come Thursday, everybody's out and you don't have anybody to chop the vegetables. Well, that's not really, that's really part of the, the dietician one program, not dietitian two, but it's okay to do that for a day or two, but you can't do it for a week because that child is losing educational time in what they're supposed to be learning, okay? The primary benefit of that situation is flowing to the school and not to the child. Again, going back to if you put a kid in, if they've gone from American lit to British lit and the teacher is out that day, okay, you have a substitute for a couple of days and everybody knows substitutes don't really do anything except keep the kids quiet um, and, and that's okay. But you don't, you don't cut them back to two weeks of reading Huckleberry Finn because that's not what British Lit involves, okay? So you have to follow that same principle and those same guidelines with your vocational training. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. His question is: um, Is it is it okay to assess practical skills and not have written tests in vocational programs? Yes, it is, as long as the teacher has a checklist or some sort of documentation to say this is how I'm making the assessment. The kid never has to put pen to paper if it's appropriate um, learning for them, but but the person giving the grade and supervising needs to have some documentation of what Jane Smith learned and what she still needs to work on and what um, Jerry Smith learned and what he still needs to work on. Okay, Um, Think of it as uh, you know, you have tests in the academic program and you can use that and if the teacher Um, decides to you know if they go on vacation at Christmas and they decide to get married and not come back then whoever picks up that class can go through the kids test and figure out what's going on okay vocational program you don't need test but the teacher from first semester needs to have some sort of documentation of on this just for example on this list of 15 skills this kid has learned 10 of them they still need to practice the next five so there needs to be something that someone could pick up and go forward with. Yes, Wanda. Right. It it could be a test for, like she said, for safety. It, it you don't. Uh, tests can be appropriate; they are just not required in vocational. Yes. Yes. Right, exactly. You have to track the proficiency um, and depending on what the skills are. So, okay. Um, All right, the next one, there we go, is a successive curriculum. And by this, I mean you learn a first set of skills and then the second set of skills builds on top of those. Um, so let's go back to, to one that I know fairly well, which is the dietitian. Um, so you, you've got the kids generally what these programs do is, it's been a while since I've looked at it. So correct me if I get any of the details wrong, but generally dietitian one, you have kids who are learning how to chop vegetables. You're, they're learning, um, how to, um, boil things that need to be boiled. They're doing basic kind of stuff. Okay. Dietitian two, they start doing the garnishes. They start doing a little more sauces. They may have a little you know, more um, complex breads instead of the simple breads, they start baking breads. And then dietitian three, they start putting together the menus and start organizing. And dietitian three is where you generally see kids starting to supervise other kids make sure that, that, the, you know, that the vegetables are getting chopped and that we have enough of them and, and those kinds of things. So you, you, um, you want to look at a set of skills. Once the kids learn this, then what is the second set of skills, okay? So woodworking, you go from um, birdhouses to coffee tables, to drawers in um cabinets okay um, what, cabinets are basically boxes and diff- but you, you learn how to do boxes and and put them together in a cabinet um, so rather than and the other area where i i see sometimes there's problems is um it's spring the grass is looking really bad so it's time to Put kids out from the gardening class out cutting grass okay cutting grass is important but is that all they're doing if they're in gardening one that may be okay if they're in gardening two then they're cutting the grass and they're doing the weeding because they're preparing it for the vegetable garden so they need to be at some point uh, planting vegetables not just cutting grass okay does that is everybody following me what I'm talking about there? Okay. Um, now, you need to try, those of you who are in residential programs, how many How many do we have who are in residential programs as opposed to okay, so, so there's enough where I'll spend a little time talking on this. Residential program, you have chores that the kids have to do just as part of living there. The dorms have to be cleaned up. The the this that and the other has to be fixed, and then you've got the Sabbath duties, okay, which is things that that have to be done. Um, you know, you still have to have the the um, kitchen going uh, minimally staffed. But you still have to have it going going during the Sabbath service. These are fine. There's no problem with doing those, and D- Department of Labor. Um, has been brushed back enough times to where they're starting to recognize, look, we've got these kids 24-7, we have to do something constructive with them and character education is a big part of what we do. And cleaning up after yourself is part of character education. So this is not work, this is education, but it's not vocational education, okay? Sweeping the dorms doesn't really teach them a, a career and technical skill. So it's fine to do that but make sure that you're tracking it under the appropriate thing okay Could
2: you do something their learning skills and how to order supplies, how to manage, um,
1: keeping a, housekeeping, a housekeeping
0: kind of thing. Yes, yeah, you could do that. And again, I go back to Laurel Brook. Because they have the sanitarium, they followed the same standards in the dorms, so a lot of their training in the dorms was practice for um care facilities and the higher standards that you have there the the thing yes you could dev- design a a uh, curriculum that would encompass the, the stuff that you do in residential program but in order for it to pass muster as an educational program then again you have to you have to keep the list of of things and then For example, if one of the um, things on the list is changing the belt on the um, vacuum cleaner, okay, you have to make sure that every child in the dorm changes the belt on the vacuum cleaner. Not just when the vacuum cleaner is broken, we fix it, okay? It has to be a very intentional training. and if, if you teach them how to order supplies, then everybody who's at whatever that level is has to have the opportunity to order supplies. So.
1: What I hear you saying is that the residential chores are more of a relaxed um, area. So if you can put stuff in the dorm under there, it's probably better to do that because it require the same level of record right. documentation.
0: Right. You, you don't have to. Residential chores, as long as you are categorizing it correctly, you don't have to follow all the educational requirements for stuff in the dorms. Uh, just as long as you're very clear. It, let's say, for example, that, that your school has a character grade, okay, or a citizenship grade, or, or whatever. Make sure that the residential chores, that the reports go into that bucket and not the vocational training bucket, for example, okay? Uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, he was first. I forgot.
1: So I mean, it
2: seems like you know because presidential are a beast of themselves. Yeah, we have so many things that don't fall into either category of you know the government and labor and so forth. And it's like. How do you differentiate uh, dorm cleaning versus food prep? Because they've got to eat, they've got to live there, and clean up after they eat. If you're in a home, you would clean up after you ate, you would do dishes, you would probably help cook, you know, and so...
0: Well, cleaning cleaning up in the kitchen can be part of the dietitian one, because good cooks clean up their kitchen well, be, but- so so that's not a problem with that I know,
2: but if, but if we had it under the residential section you wouldn't have quite the 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 requirements uh, or the issues with with them working because you know our philosophy of education is the manual training yes not so much the skills that they learn specifically as it is the, the 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 attitude that they have towards work right you know, here are products of schools. Right. We we worked on the dairy. We worked on the the sanitarium. We worked in the kitchen. You know, doing four hours a, a day. I worked a full year on the on the dairy. They they put me back three times. That was a different generation. You know. Yes. For yeah. Me, that was all beneficial and valuable skills that I learned, not specifically on how to milk a cow, but on work ethic. You know? Right. Right. And that's what I, I feel like there's a tension between when we make it all skill based, we lose out on the real philosophy that we're trying to accomplish. We're we're trying to teach, teach skills, no doubt, but it's really our philosophy is that the the, the manual labor is is what helps them on their academically. Right. Because they're out physically working, and so even if they didn't learn any skills, they're going to be better off. You know, because they both work for
0: four hours. Right, right, and, and everything you're saying is 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 perfect. And, and I understand, I, I get what you're talking about. That the manual labor has character building um, aspects that are completely outside the the skill set. The problem is we have more regulations now than we did before, and if it is not valuable for education, then it's going to be have to be after school hours, for example, because there's this sense that during school hours you need to be doing education, school stuff, okay? So, that's why I'm saying you just have to track it separately, and and Unfortunately, it's because of the regulations. So anything that is solely character-based has to be either a minority during the school day or it has to be outside the school day, OK? That's, that's just kind of one of those issues. I'm sorry, what? If they're under 16. Yeah, if they're 16, you can do whatever you want to do with them because they can quit school. That's the
1: does the, the Department of Education stipulate what the school time must be?
0: No. Um they um they assume that it follows whatever the local um times are.
1: But if you establish what your school times are in order to make
0: no as long as it's close to what the local schools are doing and this is not department of education this is department of labor and so they just they just follow what the local schools are doing now let me make sure that, that you understand it is okay to have character building as part of your vocational education all right that is not a problem it is okay to say that once the kid learns how to mop the floors they have to mop the floors um, for another six days, because that's practice. Again, it's the same same thing as doing algebra problems. Practice and character building are fine to incorporate into your program, as long as there is enough skills for it to meet the general requirement. You know, whatever the standards are—one, the ISE curriculum or your state curriculum—then you just have to meet the minimum that they are learning skills. Because that's the only way that it has any educational value. Yeah, Wanda. Okay. you're teaching class, though, there are periods of time when you go back and previous material. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, as long as you're reviewing previous material for uh, for a educational purpose. Like, okay, these kids have forgotten how to mop floors, so we 're going to have to go back and relearn how to mop floors and that that is not uh, nobody involved in education or department of labor assumes that kids remember everything from year to year that 's one of the reasons they 're doing a big push now to shorten the summers is because kids learn uh, lose so much of their learning between June and september so but The question is, are you going back because they don't know it and you're reteaching it to them, or are you going back because the floor is dirty and it's got to be cleaned? You see, is it because the institution needs the floor cleaned, or because the child needs to relearn how to clean the floors? That that's the distinction. If
2: it is the first one, which it often is, uh, that the the floor is dirty and it needs to be cleaned because we live in a residential institution that gets dirty all the time, right? How can we classify? The thing that I, that fascinates me is you have this category in there that is residential chores.
0: Well, it is
2: it, classify it, what is and what isn't.
0: Now it's 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 not a it's not a really a. Classification as much as yeah. In a residential program, the floors got to be cleaned, and but see that benefits the kids because they're living there. Because so, the the kids. well, yeah, but I mean, we have
2: readers that, that some schools don't, but we have students that help grade papers because it benefits the kids because it's part of the educational.
0: Right, program. right,
2: right. I it, and yet they grading papers say every day for uh, you know a semester or something. Right, it's a cup and jar.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it comes back to who is most benefiting, okay? So in a non-residential program, yes, kids need to be in a clean classroom, but it's still, the, it's still the institution's responsibility to get it clean. Whereas in a residential program, you have more obligations to keep the kids busy and to teach them character. In a res, I guess what I'm saying is a residential program, you have a lot more leeway for non-educational type requirements, okay? In a res- in a non-residential program, they are there for education and and you need to track the education. In a residential program, you have some more. Yeah,
1: Steve. Well, I'm let him go on that Well, I was just gonna say what he said because he was saying that it sounds like it might be better uh,
2: those chores separated so they will not have to do as much tracking and all this. Right.
0: Where you get in the bind is if you say, oh, we're teaching the kids all sorts of skills like we teach them how to mop floors. Well, okay, then my next question is, are you tracking what they're learning? Are you tracking the hours? Is it part of a curriculum? If the answer is no, then don't claim that as an educational benefit. It's character building, it's something else. If you're claiming it as an, as an educational part of this integrated coursework and educational credit, then you have to track it like it's a, a, a regular CTE or um, academic program.
1: So, so Deb, I'm, uh, just a little different track. It, I'm sitting here thinking about all that I've said so far, <laughs> and where my mind is going is this, and that is that one of the things that is essential for us as schools, which we have clear counsel on through our understanding of spiritual prophecy and the Bible teaching, is the character development. I don't know that we have clearly identified that curriculum, but if we were to clearly identify character development as a curriculum, I know personally that my character is still in process. Right. Okay? It's right. not where it ought to be. So, character development is a continual, lifelong thing. And right. I think that there may be an opportunity for us here if we could clearly identify character development as a specific curriculum, something that we do different than anybody else, because it is part of the council we have. And it's essentially, it. If we listen to what we read correctly, it may be the most important thing we do. So if we put it where it needs to be, develop a curriculum that supports that, and a way to assess and track to some degree what's happening with the character, then yes, I I, I may see an open window here, but from your standpoint, if you were to stand before the judge with a character development curriculum, what what would
0: would be? Well, first of all, you don't have to have a curriculum okay, you can just say character development is part of what we teach, it's important to us, here's uh, cleaning the floor every Thursday teaches these character skills, okay and and here's how we observe it this is why I keep going back to some schools give a citizenship grade or a character grade or whatever and it's done by the dorm folks that's fine, this is this is not part of our... We aren't claiming that this is a, a, is a um, technical, career and technical education. It is part of our character. So, is, if you want to have a curriculum...
1: Yeah, but put in the context the best I can, the way to say this. To me, the vocational technical is a part of character development instead of character development being a part of vocational technical. Mm-hmm. So the character development takes the higher position, and the vocational technical is actually just a part of it. And I.
0: Well, then, then what you would well what you would do is the same way that you list skills um, as, a, a, let's just say, carpentry. You would say at the end of this, the the, the child will have learned. How to safely use a table saw, how to safely hammer nails, how to safely. So you got safety issues and then you got skills issues. You can put in a character development. You know, this program will teach kids patience. Um, you know, whatever else we. Or it will, yeah.
1: The cows, you will have
0: well, yeah, that's what this does. It will. It will teach the teachers how to have patience <laughs> you know, um, so yes, you can if, you, know, you can put the character development in because this is what makes the Madison school and and the SDA schools different from the public schools. Well, public schools are kind of making a, an effort at character development. you know they have the word of the week and all this other nonsense. Um, but so but but you guys can put it front and center by putting it at the top of the curriculum. Wanda.
2: Is
0: that what would be important would be that you identify the
2: character traits. Which we've already done. We have that in the the work
1: that's in the right Okay. So we've already done that. The key is to show the connection. whatever it is that they're doing. Right. Okay. And
0: then, but what is difficult is, how do you measure, how do no. you
2: measure that a child has limitations? I mean, I have to get one.
0: Right, 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 right.
2: So, how do you, it's very difficult to measure
1: character development traits.
0: Yeah. One thing you can do that would help with that, because you would have to, Right, right. As in your descriptive thing could come by sitting down with that child and saying, Okay, so how would you rate yourself on the how you patients? Because if you're not making that rate necessarily on that child, that child is participating in child recognizing. You know, right. And I think that would be more
2: beneficial to the growth and development of the child than just simply getting the
0: working. Right, right. And you can, you can do that. Now, let me make clear, if you put character development in your curriculum, you, you don't have to track that because it is, it's difficult to track and because the state really doesn't care about that. They care about if your vocational credits that you're awarding are valid, they want to know, are the kids learning skills? Okay. So that's that. When they come in and say, "Is ESA's curriculum real or is it made up?" They're going to say, "What kills? What skills do they expect the kids to learn?" And that's how they compare apples to apples. Every Christian school I know has um, a a, and and, you know part of their mission statement is um, is spiritual growth, to to serve the kingdom of God, to raise kids to be. Um, good servants of God, there's no way to measure that, and the state knows there's no way to measure that. So you don't have to track that as part of the vocational grade. It's it's good for you to put it in there because it shows where your priorities are. But you don't have to track everything. You just have to track the things that the state expects you to track.
1: So as long as we are holding this as a religious tenet, that character development is our priority, then that gives us more flexibility.
0: Right. As long as everything you say shows that it is a priority, as long as it's not an after-the-fact thing. And my whole point in all of this is whatever you do, you have to be intentional from the beginning. You cannot come up with this as an after-the-fact justification. Because if it's not in your material from the beginning, then it doesn't look real. And it is important for us to track the skills that they do learn. Because to me that is to motivate your students. If they know that they're learning real skills and know what what opportunities there are for them, they're more motivated to want to learn more. Yeah. You, you did another. obviously the most important. Right. And it's important for me to also, I mean, even in biblical times, every child has to learn, in the Jewish system, every child has to learn at least two skills. Right. Even if they were never going to work in those
2: skills, they were going to be a rabbi.
0: Right, right. And, and I will say, I, Wanda knows that we're raising our, our granddaughter now. It's a long story, but... Um, She's 15, and she was turning her nose up at at career technical training. Um, You know, everybody's got to go to college until she found out what underwater welders make. Underwater welders, um, they make really good money. So, you know, learn welding and learn how to scuba dive. (laughs) and There there are jobs out there. (laughs) So, yeah.
2: I'm just a little bit worried about the school hours. Uh, I haven't been involved. End of and the teaching end, but as a student, I went from a, a eight to three school system to a work study system where we uh, started at seven and went to one, and then we worked in the afternoon. Do we have flexibility to have programs like?
0: Yeah, that? yes, you can, you can, you can have your educational program any time of the day you want. Okay. If it, if it starts looking like it's not education, then you get into all of these restrictions. But as long as it's an education program, you can do whatever it is. You can have it whenever you want. It can be, it can be from 7 to 12 and 1 to 6 or just whatever whatever works for you. The thing is, it has to look like an educational program, and it has to have the hallmarks of an educational program. And that's, we've got 10 more minutes, so let me see how many of these I can run through. In order for it to have the hallmarks of an educational program, these are the things it has has to have, okay? Um, Let's see about, I said Sabbath services, I meant Sabbath duty, by the way. Okay, please quit talking about work programs that they are not work programs they are vocational classes or vocational education or CTE or they're just not work (laughs) so um, and and just um, just get rid of that go through every piece of paper you have everything that goes out and make sure that you have academic classes and vocational classes um, and character. If you want to track character training separately, you can, but again, I think the overarching, uh, to go back to one thing you were saying, Steve, about the, um, the, the academics are part of your character training, then you need to put character training in as the academics. What will kids learn from this algebra class? So if, if, we're, if we're going to start putting character goals in vocational programs, it needs to be in the academic goals too. Um, Or it it could be just kids will learn to use their spiritual gifts. I mean, it it can be any number of things. You just just need to make sure it's intentional. Um, Just remember, it's education. It's a different kind of education. Um, Connection to the academic calendar, duration limited to the training period. I think we've talked about that. One of the things that, and I'm sorry, I keep calling it Sabbath service, when I know it's different, but anyway, summer work, a lot of the residential programs have kids come in before school starts um, or has them stay later. Again, you've got to assess why that is. Are you tracking that for an educational curriculum or is it because you need extra pair of hands?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, as long as there's a benefit to the kids. I mean, that, that's the, if you want to do agriculture, you've got to be there during the summer. That's, and that's just, the, the, you know, the real world is the real world.
2: Is there a problem if it is not connected to the um, classes that they aren't earning money for? It?
0: Um, yes. Because then it becomes work. If they're earning money, it becomes work and you're under the Fair Labor Standards Act, so you have to pay minimum wage, you have to pay overtime, and you're you're limited with hours and and what people say yeah, that same it, it, it's a regular job. The
1: school hour restriction.
0: They don't have the school hour restriction, but they do have the what under eighteen can do kids under eighteen cannot use use any tools that use power but no power tools um, and it actually could and they can't participate in anything that you sell because that becomes an industry it, there's a lot of rules if you're going to pay them during the summer it, you're in a whole and I, that would take another hour to explain everything but it, it's a completely different ball game than what we're talking about here
1: showed, showed that the.
0: Uh, Quantity of time, for instance, during the summer we have to stay for agriculture. But at the very beginning of the summer, there may not be much happening in agriculture. They spend (coughs) a third of the week in agriculture and they spend two thirds of the week cleaning dorms and campus and that sort of stuff. Um, That's problematic because um, then you need to be paying them for the non agriculture stuff. And you need to be paying a minimum wage. How would the laws um, look at that? Do you
1: have students maybe working?
0: Mm-hmm. going back to the vocational training okay I, I, again um, if it's if it's successive are they uh, they come in to work and they're they're doing things and then they go to their vocational training is it successive training are they just repeating the things that they've already learned it's okay if they've not gotten credit for what they've learned, and now they're going through a more traditional curriculum and getting credit for it. Um, that's fine. They don't really look at that as long as the vocational piece tracks the the vocational requirements. Are, are schools
2: allowed to have
0: Um, yes, but what you're describing is not an education program; it's a straight work program. Straight work program, it, it minimum wage. They're, they're employees, and they're entitled to minimum wage. If you're going to have an education program, then you have to have these. You have to track, and you have to have a successive curriculum, and those kinds of things.
2: Um, a higher sense of for dealing with
1: international
0: students. A higher sense of vigor. Uh, no, I, I have not seen that with, with um, international students. I've not seen the Department of Labor worry more about that than um, non-international students. Um, the only thing is you may have to do some remedial English with them or ESL classes, but that's an academic issue and not a, not a vocational issue. So you, you can hold them and, and track their progress the same. So, actually, it's a little easier with vocational than it is with, say, English, to, to track their skills. Um, residential chores, again, you, you can do those anytime. Um, and the character training, I think we've, all, we've already discussed. Um, the last one doesn't displace the paid employees. So you have to keep the areas fully staffed with adult employees, now, I'll, I'll avoid the paid because I, I, I understand some of you have members of the religious order. Assign tasks according to the curriculum, not we need two students in the kitchen today, or it's time to um, mow the lawn, so we're gonna pull students out and have them mow the lawn. You need to put the kids in a curriculum and follow it as much as you can. Um, you, you can do it nine weeks by nine weeks. It's possible to do it week by week, but that is extremely difficult. It's really difficult to do that from an educationally sound basis. So um, you just need to, to um, again, go with, what are the kids learning? What do they need to learn? And, and if you have an opportunity for them to learn something today that they couldn't learn last month, that's fine. As long as it's an educational thing and not just a, we need this chore done and we need some hands to do it. Um, and that's it. Here's my contact information. Feel free to call me. Um, cell is really the best place to get a hold of me. I hate to say that, but yes.
1: So, is there ever a point in time in where students? May not need to be considered students. So if they wanted to volunteer their services during the summer, which we've had some kids that really like working on the farm and they wanted to come help out. So is there any time in which that's an
0: option? Um, she was asking about students volunteering. Um, I'd have to look at that. It's, it again, it's problematic if you're if they're doing it and they're getting some sort of, you need to come up with some sort of credit or some sort of something that they they earn for their volunteering uh, um 18 is is not going to be the same you just have to make it very clear in your paperwork this is this is an internship you call it an internship not vocational training you're, you're this this would be how you would do it as i'm thinking it through um, it's an internship it's not vocational training it's a completely different and you're not getting paid, you're doing this for the skills and um, in exchange for the skills and whatever recommendation we give you at the end of the of the time. that would be just a straight, unpaid internship as long as again, if they were to quit tomorrow, you could still handle things without them because that, that gets back to the displacing other workers. So you just have to. You don't have to track it with an internship, but you do have to be able to defend it that it benefited them more than it benefited us. Sure. Um, any other questions? The, the world gets more complicated. It's not as easy to do the Madison schools as it was when the Madison school started, but it is still possible and it's still worth doing. Um, so if I can help any of you do it, let, let me know. That's my Uh, That's where you find me. Or Steve and Wanda always know where to find me.
2: (laughs) This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.